Hi guys, welcome back, or if this is your first time here, then thank you for joining us. This is the Doula's Guide to dot 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 with me, Meg, also known as the Dungaree Doula. It's a podcast where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth and parenting. My aim is to share unbiased information alongside a bit of friendly chit-chat to ensure that you head into parenthood feeling confident and excited for what's to come. If you missed the first couple of episodes and would like to know more about me, then go and check out episode one for a little introduction and a big chat on hypnobirthing and the following episodes for some great birth preparation. And if you love the podcast, you can now leave me a little tip to say thank you via buy me a coffee. The link is in the show notes. This episode is a special guest episode with the wonderful Nikki of your red tent. Nikki is an amazing practitioner who holds space for women at various points throughout their life, whether that be through Monarch, which is your first period, with her first moon cycles, through her birth and doula work, through her women's cycles, or through her work around menstrual cycle awareness, which is what we're discussing today. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the episode. I can't see. Right, perfect. There we go. So hi, Nikki. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, to start with, do you want to just give a little introduction about who you are? Thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm so excited for this. So, yeah, I'm Nikki. I am, um, I guess, several things now. So I'm a doula, hypnobirthing practitioner. I'm a breastfeeding counsellor, mindful breastfeeding practitioner, and menstrual educator. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm also holding circles for children, puberty circles, and also women's circles. So space holder, wisdom sharer. Oh, it's so exciting. I feel like... um, it was it was ages ago now actually, wasn't it, that we did our hypnobirthing training together? But you've just done so much stuff since. It's really amazing to see. <laughs> yeah, it's really evolved. So I used to be in the corporate world. I was there for like fifteen years, probably more. And as soon as I had my daughters, something just shifted inside of me, and then I just knew I had to get out of that place. Um, not the company as such, but just yeah. the entire in and like that male energy and. Um, yeah, so I've just been on this one continuous training program. It feels <laughs> <laughs> training before we even met, so it's yeah. been like years of training, and yeah, I'm like get all together now with like the women's circles and stuff. Like I just feel like I have a lot of knowledge now to share with people at different passages in their life. So that's what I'm doing. I'm holding circles with particular themes. So it could be that there's like menstrual cycle or perimenopause or fertility, you know, anything like that. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> and so today we're going to talk about menstrual cycle awareness. Um, and we said that we were going to start off by talking about where we are in our cycle, which is so weird that we're on the same day. <laughs> yeah, no, no. You said it's meant to be. It really is meant, meant to be. Completely synced our cycles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're both on day 25. Um, I mean, for me, so since getting my periods back after breastfeeding juniper I've had them back now for about eight months um sort of regularly maybe not even that long actually maybe about six months and the first few that I had back this part of the cycle like this sort of last week before my period was hell genuine hell it was so bad but I feel like the past few months it's actually it's got a bit better my main things now I saw you share this on Instagram earlier is how my skin reacts to this part of my cycle my skin is so bad yeah yeah when mine never come to anything they just like look red and angry and then they disappear again into the background yeah that's what mine are like and they're always in the same sort of space I always get them on my cheeks and it's just like it's so random I get them all up and down my cheeks and then and then they just go, and then it's like a month later, they're like, hi again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get them on my chin, so yeah, I yeah, I feel you, I feel you. And so how are you feeling on this day, on day 25? So day 25, I, it's funny, I feel very energised still. Usually I've had this, like, internal beckoning to, like, withdraw from the world, and I, I can see myself being less patient with my girls, I just want to be alone, I want to get them in bed and then disappear into my bedroom, but I haven't really felt that yet, which is a bit bit un, unusual, maybe it's the spring weather, because yeah. we're in, like, it now, aren't we, we're in, like, out in autumn, yet the outside world is in spring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were going to talk off, first of all, about, sort of, about menstrual cycle awareness in general, because I don't feel like it's I feel like it's getting more popular more people are talking about it but still a lot of people when you start talking about things like menstrual cycle awareness and stuff they have no idea what you're talking about 
No, exactly, they don't. And quite often people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do track my cycle with an app. And that's great to be, you know, tuning in a little bit. But quite often these apps, they have a predictive function on there. So they tell you when they think you're going to ovulate and when they think your period is going to come. And so that just removes the element of you really tuning in and tracking your cycle. Mm. Plus much more to just knowing when you're going to ovulate and when your period is about to start. And so, yeah, talking about MCA, well, I'll, I'll definitely do that. But I thought before, maybe talk about why it's important yeah. that we be sort of tune in with our cycles, because I just think that that holds so much weight. I'm, tracking our cycles, like I said, is more about knowing when our fertile window is and when our period is going to come. Um, we don't realise that the, the menstrual cycle it actually reflects how our health is, so it can be used as a diagnostic tool. So what that means is if we notice that there's something slightly off with our menstrual cycle and it's been fine for many, many months or years, um, then it's worth investigating because it's suggesting that there's something else going on, not with our menstrual cycle, but with our own well-being. Yeah. And it's this, if somebody starts tracking their menstrual cycle now and they realise that they're not falling into what is deemed a healthy menstrual cycle and period, so the blood flow might be heavy or they might be bleeding for more than the optimal days or two short days. And um, then again, that also suggests that there is something going on with their health, not necessarily linked to the menstrual cycle either. So it could be, could be anything. So there are certain lifestyle factors that can influence the menstrual cycles. So that can be stress, but more like chronic stress and yeah. prolonged stress that can influence because we have cortisol and adrenaline that will be interfering with all the hormones. Um, so, yeah, if we're struggling with our mental health, if we're over-exercising, so, um, what, you know, what I've heard and what I've read is that there are a lot of athletes, that, like female athletes, um, uh, that then struggle with menstrual cycles and things because they're over-exercising. Um, if we're not eating optimally, so if we're having a really low-calorie diet, this can also influence the menstrual cycle. And then there are also some actual medical conditions as well, so things like a thyroid condition or fibroids or PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome or endometriosis, which I think more people are hearing about now yeah. as well. So those actual medical conditions can influence the menstrual cycle. Yeah, that yeah. completely makes sense. So it's really important that we know about it, not just in terms of, yeah, like you say, everyone just thinks, oh, I need to know when I'm ovulated. And that's yeah. all we think that it's for that's the only reason we have a period just so yeah. ovulating <laughs> no we're ovulating exactly so we can plan to have a baby or not to have a baby but yeah it's it's now deemed it's called a fifth vital sign so all all of us we have four vital signs and so they are um, the heart rate breathing rate temperature and uh, blood pressure that's the one. oh yeah uh -huh. and, Everybody, every person on the planet, that is the four vital signs. But now cyclical people, we can use the menstrual cycle as our fifth vital sign. Yeah. So again, anything that changes in our menstrual cycle or if somebody starts tracking and it's not fitting in those healthy boundaries, then they know that there's something else going on in their body. Yeah. And that they've investigated. So what, so what is that healthy for anyone that doesn't know? What is a healthy cycle? Right, so um, a healthy cycle for an adult is 25 to 35 day length cycle. So anything shorter than that or anything longer than that. You know, if you have the, like one or two cycles yeah. where they fall outside of that, then be mindful of it, but maybe don't sort of rush to a GP or a naturopath or anything. But if you consistently have a cycle outside of that, then it's definitely worth investigating. And then once the bleed arrives, so once our period arrives, um, a healthy period is three to seven days long. And it like starts heavy and then gets lighter or it could go lighter, get heavier and then go lighter again. If it sort of starts and then stops, you know, if you have a day or two without a period and then the bleed comes back again, it's definitely worth investigating. If it's only two days long, it's worth investigating. If it's more than seven days consistently again always yeah. looking at sort of more than three or four times um then it's definitely worth investigating as well yeah that's really helpful I think um yeah I think most of us don't even we don't even know that I remember until I started looking into um 
tracking my menstrual cycle and stuff like that I wasn't even sure how long a cycle was I was just like oh I, I get it every month at some point <laughs> monthly right. yeah, that's, yeah. yeah I remember yeah it being exactly the same it wasn't until I started thinking oh maybe we should have a baby soon that I really started thinking about it but again I just downloaded a period app yeah me too that's the only thing I was interested in yeah everything else didn't really matter and so when, if there is an underlying sort of condition or a lifestyle factor that's influencing our menstrual cycle, it doesn't mean that the, the period will disappear altogether. So again, it can influence with um, heavy blood flow. So if somebody has really heavy periods, then that's worth investigating. Um, like I mentioned, the long or the short cycles. If someone has severe pain as well, like it doesn't make sense. Like from everything, like you're a hypnobirthing practitioner, and a doula, so you know that it doesn't make sense for us to be experiencing severe pain. Like Mother Nature, it wouldn't create that. It yeah. doesn't make sense for people to have really painful periods month after month. You know? It's- yeah, 100%. And it's funny because cause I don't have painful periods at all, but definitely since I've been more aware of it, there's no pain but when I tell people that they look at me like I'm talking like a different language I say I genuinely I don't experience any pain and I'm like this should this is what should be the norm it's not the norm that you're in severe pain every month (laughs) it's like oh we know we just expect it to be painful we put up with the pain and it's like no like that's not how it was designed yeah, and I think, like, and I keep seeing things recently, and it's obviously it's a good thing for people who have pain, but, like, different countries offering, like, paid leave and things like that. And obviously that's really good if you're in a lot of pain, but surely we should be also investing into finding out why these people are in this much pain, first of all. So, yeah, totally. So anyone listening, if you are experiencing severe, you know, period cramps and things, investigate it. Um. And also extreme mood changes as well. Like the level of hormones that we have in our body and they change day by day, they can also influence our mood because we have receptors in our brains for all the different hormones, sex hormones as well. And so, you know, they can really disrupt and they can actually play out in sort of depression, suicidal thoughts at the more extreme end. So, you know, if anyone's experiencing that, that again is not, you know, it's not something you should have to put up with. So get it investigated yeah. My op- at first port of call we'd go to because it's free and in inverted um, thingies because we, we all pay for the NHS, but we go to our GP. But quite often they're not the ideal person to be speaking to about this stuff. So I would advocate going to see like a women's health practitioner who specialises in women's hormones and the menstrual cycle. Yeah, 100%. I don't think people necessarily realise just how little knowledge a lot of GPs have around these issues until I guess unless you have a problem with your periods or until you have a baby and you realize that when you want to talk to anybody about just anything to do with pregnancy or postpartum or breastfeeding or bleeding it's immediately just like I don't know I have no idea or they google it in front of you or they say this doesn't sound like it's a problem or they downplay what you're saying and you realize actually there isn't they have no training around this (laughs) And they totally gaslight you, don't they, a lot of the time. They're mm. just like, are you feeling like that? Or, yeah, like pain, painful periods, that's just what they're like. Or the biggest issue is they just prescribe the hormone contraceptive pill, injection, um, yeah, whatever it may be, the coil. Yeah, yeah. Sort of- I completely forgot about that because, yeah, I went off, I was on the pill for probably, I think when I was like 16, I was on it for a long time from being 16 onwards. And then, yeah, after having my first child I just never went back on it but even at that like at the six week check after you've had a baby it's like the main thing that they want to talk to you about what birth control are you going to go on and when you say like nothing I'm going to track it myself or I just don't want to talk about it right now they're so pushy about it and they're like you need to go back on some sort of pill or trying to get you onto something I know I know it's um it is really frightening just how much this stuff is pushed onto people like I think I'm trying to remember what happened because my second um, birth was an emergency C-section, although it wasn't quite an emergency. But I do remember being in the recovery and the consultant came to see me. And they, that was one of the questions that they asked me. They're like, oh, how are you feeling? So what contraception are you going to use? Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe before, like three hours ago. <laughs> Give me this. 
Sex is the last thing I'm thinking about right now. I always say that to my clients and stuff because they always say, oh, what should we expect at the six-week check? And I say, they're going to say to you, like, have you thought about contraception? And I'm like, no one is thinking about that six weeks after having a baby. Absolutely not. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's the go-to. So uh, with a lot of, like, adult people, that's the go-to. But also, if you were to take your um, menstruating child to the GP because they were having very heavy periods, very painful periods, something like that, that would be their go-to solution as well. So, I, you know, the, the pill definitely has its place, like everything, yeah. every type of medication. But now it's just being overused, over-prescribed. Uh, so, yeah, that's um, that's one big red flag around going to a GP in particular. That's another reason why I'd always advocate going to somebody else, like an actual women's health practitioner. Yeah, 100%. I was just talking about fertility, I think. So people, you know, if they're thinking ahead of time or maybe they've already got one baby and they're thinking that they'd like to have some more, just using menstrual cycle awareness um then they will be able to spot if there are any, um, you know, like issues or anything with their cycle, with their health, and they can get those addressed before they start trying to have a baby. Yeah. It saves them a lot of worry and stress um, just by getting all those things um, addressed and dealt with. Um, other really good things about using MCA is that um, our hormones fluctuate literally every single day, unlike people who are not living in cyclical bodies, which is pretty consistent, owls rise and fall and, you know, do all sorts of things every day. So we know how we're going to be feeling in different times of our menstrual cycle ahead of time. Um, And so that means that, you know, we we can start planning things in the future. So if we, you know, if we're planning a night out with our friends and we know it's going to fall on our bleed week or, you know, five days or however long we bleed for, we know that we can then plan for that. Yeah, and probably be, yeah, okay, I'm going to come or not come because you might commit to something when you're ovulating and when you really feel like you want to go out dancing and partying and stuff. But then when the bleed comes along, you think, oh, God, now I'm feeling really flaky and I'm not sure I want to go. And So you can make those plans as well, like have really nice open conversations with your friends and try and time like nights out around all of your cycles. That would be quite fun. Um, how we like react to different situations as well. So... Like, for myself, after I've ovulated, I'm, like, super calm and, like, I have so many patients with my children. But then the following week, I go into my premenstrual phase and my patience is, like, completely known. And the same identical situation, I'd react differently depending on which we come in. So, again, by using MCA and knowing when my patience is going to be high, when my patience is going to be low, I can just give myself grace and find myself shouting at my children then I know that it's, yeah, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm premenstrual, that's what it is, you know, I can say sorry to them later, going on. Um, So, yeah, we become completely predictable. Like, women have this really awful, very old-school reputation of being, like, unpredictable, erratic, irrational, crazy, and all of that is because of our menstrual cycle. And, in fact, we become totally predictable when we know how we're going to be day by day and sort of week by week, phase by phase, that's another reason why we should be doing MCA because we become predictable. And so then we can correct anybody that says, oh, you're being erratic. We're like, well, hold on a second. That's because of... Yeah. Oh, I never thought about it like that, about how it makes you predictable. Because I'm the same. I always tell Bench, my partner, I say like, right, I'm probably going to be a bit like, grumpy this week and a bit erratic. And then he knows. And I just feel like, negates any sort of tension in the house or anything because I'm just like yeah it's for a couple of days and it's generally around this time so actually I told him last night I was like right probably for the next couple of days things are going to be a bit tense (laughs) but like they're not yet but you never know and I'm the same I can give myself grace if I find myself being like irritable with the children if I find myself just being like I want to have some peace it's the again it's like the ultimate self-care tool I'm a massive advocate of us sharing all what comes out of our MCA practice with the people that we're living with, whether partners, housemates, whatever your setup is, to share it with them. Because, again, you can can forewarn them or, even better still, they can make notes in their own calendar and then they they don't even have to ask you, oh, are you, you know, are you premenstrual? Are you bleeding? They can just be like, cool, okay, so she's going to need a bit of support here or a bit of support there. Yeah, 100%. And I think especially, I think you've got two girls as well, haven't you? 
So I think, like, for the future, that is going to have to be, like, my partner and your partner's life, basically, just knowing where we all are. Exactly. And hopefully there's, like, a window where we're all, like, and happy and the levels are high. Hopefully. (laughs) Like, period after period after period, yeah. That would be... uh, um, And so, yeah, all of this means that we become the expert in ourselves. Like, there's nothing more powerful than as women, cyclical people especially, to actually understand what's going on in our bodies, understanding why we're feeling the way we are, reacting the way we are, we become the experts. And again, it goes back to, you know, if we start tracking and we notice that we're falling outside of those boundaries, then we can take all that information to the doctor. You are the expert. You are telling the doctor or naturopath, whoever you're talking to, this is my cycle. It's either changed from this to this or I've noticed it's consistently like this and I need it investigating rather than going to the GP, talking to them about your symptoms and then saying, oh, I think everything's fine, don't worry, or go on the birth control pill or whatever it may be, whatever their diagnosis or solution is. It's a very different conversation. And again, it's like when we're talking to our um, doula clients or hypnobirthing clients, isn't it? It's like get informed, like tune yeah. into your body. And whenever you go to those midwife appointments or consultant appointments, like you be the expert in your pregnancy. You be the expert in whatever it may be. Like, don't let them be the driver in this conversation. Like, you are the driver, and so that's another reason why MCA is so powerful. Like, you become the expert. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think like I was. That's exactly what I was thinking when you was talking about how similar it is to pregnancy. That yeah, you have to just basically become an expert in what is right for you what's normal for you what you believe in what you're happy to like accept as well I think things like that as well because a lot of the time it is like you say you'll just go there and they'll go you're fine or they'll say yeah go on the pill or something it's like you need to kind of almost pre-prepare for that conversation if you're stepping into that space and be like I'm not going to accept that this is what I want to happen and we need to work out how to make it happen totally exactly and like each pregnancy is different everybody's menstrual cycle is different we all experience it differently so whereas a doctor might look at it and say oh well you know you're falling within the parameters our parameters and so on but that might not be what has been normal for you for the past however long you've been following your cycles for and you're like well hold on there is actually a discrepancy now we do need to investigate that so it's all about learning what your cycle is because there's always you know they always talk about you know pregnancy is going to be 40 weeks long a menstrual cycle is 28 days mm. it's not it's not like that everybody and if, you know my cycles are reasonably consistent 28 or 29 days but they fluctuate like I had that awful flu that was going around over Christmas and that cycle was like 25 26 days you know it brought it forward by three four days I couldn't leave it but you know it goes to show that there are influences that can then change it yeah definitely I was the same when I had COVID when I had COVID it made mine like dramatically small like shorter and I was like I swear I've just had my period and it was I think it was like yeah like 22 days this is so strange and then I was like oh I had COVID last week and everyone keeps saying how much that has affected it <laughs> yeah exactly it's um every yeah it, it's, it's quite sensitive it's a very robust process in our bodies um but it is very sensitive to all those different factors that I mentioned earlier. So, yeah, including, like, COVID and viruses and different germs and stuff. So, yeah, MCA just allows us to notice all those things. Um, I guess the last thing to say is, like, it's it's quite a rebellious act. You know, it's it's a wild reclamation of our power and our knowledge and a patriarchal society that we live in doesn't want typical people to have that knowledge and power. They want us to be reliant on them deferring to them all the time you know using the medical system using the pharmaceuticals like all those things so it's a very wild reclamation and it's taking responsibility for our own health as well which i think is really important and there's even a link between um menstrual shame and negative birth outcomes so when children start their periods if they're not met with like knowledge and wisdom and positivity and confidence this then transpires to us sort of rejecting it, dis- disconnecting from ourselves and our menstrual cycle. We pathologize it. We rely on the GPs to give us the birth control pill or whatever it is. And then when we enter the birth space, when we're, when we're pregnant, we then give all that power away because we're used to it. We've been doing it our entire sort of menstruating life. So we just continue to do that. 
That is so interesting and makes so much sense, especially when you're a doula and you know as much as we do about birth and stuff. That makes so much sense. But that is quite shocking, really, because of, like you said, the way that people are met with menstrual stress, menstrual shame and how it is portrayed through schools and things like that. It's yeah. yeah. So that kind of led me on this path to then training in menstrual education. I I love doing like the the hypnobirthing work and doula work but it felt like it felt too late to be having those conversations with the people that I was talking to like you know really empowering stuff but if you just spent the past 20 years 25 years disconnected from your body not trusting the process (laughs) gifting all hours to your GP which is what I did my entire life um yeah I don't know so I followed the breadcrumbs and that's where I ended up in this period stuff and and actually talking to children about it because that's where, you know, that that's where we want to be talking to them. Yeah. People. We'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> right, so let's get on to how you actually do cycle awareness. Um, so you need to find what's going to work for you about how you want to track your cycle. So you can use paper. Um, they're called like paper wheels or um, a paper sort of tracking sheet. Yeah. Um, you can buy an app or download an app. But I, like I said at the beginning, I would always recommend turning off the predictive function because yeah. you don't want telling you when it thinks you're going to ovulate or get your period. Um, or you could just buy a journal and actually journal because then you can write a lot more. On the tracking sheets, you don't have as much space, you know, what your thoughts and your feelings are. And um, so once you've decided on the method of capturing all this information, you then want to find a time in your day when you can sort of be alone and it doesn't have to take that long it could be like a five minute practice or you could make it like a really nice evening ritual so that's when I do it I do once the kids are in bed I go up to bed sometimes I have a cup of herbal tea with me sometimes I don't and then I just spend a few minutes like trying to you know deep breaths with my eyes shut separate the crazy life from that moment and then I just start um checking in with myself and how I'm feeling so we would always write what day of the cycle that we're on today I'm on day 25 so that's what I write down I make a note of any sort of fluid so if you're bleeding you would write down your blood flow if it's heavy or light and you can even go as far as writing down colors and things if you wanted to um or you could write down cervical fluid or if you know there would be certain times in the cycle where there is no cervical fluid and there is no blood so then you could just write down sort of dryness and any sensations around that and then there is this really nice practice that's been um, that I was taught by someone called um, Charlotte Ponto, and she developed it with another lady called Claire Baker, and it's called the four body check-in. So then you would sit there and you'd think about how you're physically feeling in that moment or how you've been feeling across the day. So that might be if you if you have your period, it might be that you've got cramps or a lower backache or you've got a headache or your breasts are tender, and you would write all those down. You can write down how you are mentally feeling as well. So if you're feeling like a bit, ah, with the kids or with work or, you know, whatever it may be, a bit stressed, um, you write that down. And then the next one is emotions, so how you're emotionally feeling. So if you're feeling a bit frustrated or happy or sad, um, and then you can also go as far as writing spiritually, so how you're spiritually feeling. So that's your full body checking. Um, a lot of people, you know, might not, it might, spirituality might not resonate with them. So mm. it's totally okay just to leave that bit out. Um, but spiritually, you might write down things like if you're feeling sociable, if you feel like you're withdrawing from the world and you want to be alone, that means that we're sort of going within a lot more. So that could be spiritual for some people. Um, write down energy levels so if you feel like you've got like high energy levels or low energy levels um, or you know neutral energy levels because again across the period uh, across the menstrual cycle when we're bleeding energy levels are typically quite low but then as we're approaching ovulation and go through ovulation energy levels are a lot higher so just making a note of that Um, libido is an important one yeah now, especially after kids and life is busy, like returning to a healthy, normal sex life, whatever that means for a family. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it can be quite difficult. So um, a person just checking in with themselves and how they're feeling sexually. 
um, is, is really important because if we have a very low libido, that will that can suggest that something like with our hormones isn't quite right. Yeah. Um, then you might want to investigate that as well. Um, so yeah, they're the, the sort of the main things that somebody could capture um, when they first start menstrual cycle awareness. There are so many more things that you could add to that, but I think anybody that's starting it new, that's probably a really good basis to start from. And so if somebody listens to this podcast wanted to start today, but they it's not day one of their cycle, that's totally fine. Like you don't have to wait for the first day of your next cycle. They could start today if they're on day 17. Yeah. And then they start tuning in, practicing their practice. And then day one of their next cycle, and day one is the first day of bleeding. We're not talking about like light spotting. It's like full blood flow yeah. that would be day one so that's when they would start a new tracking sheet or a new page on their app or wherever it may be yeah. and then they would again you know tuning into all of those different things yeah oh perfect thank you for sharing that because I feel like that's really helpful and even like I said so I do track my cycle but I do not I don't do it to this level I literally just I write it in my notes on my phone but I'm gonna start doing this because I do have an evening routine and I've just never thought to incorporate it into my evening routine I don't know what and I, I journal as part of it and I'm like oh why don't I just add that in <laughs> yeah exactly it's really nice so there are pros and cons to all the different ways of doing it so I personally like a um like a tracking sheet because then I can have, like, they're all loose bits of paper and stuff. You're going to try and keep them all together. But then you could, like, lay five out next to each other oh, and you can yeah. be like, okay, so day six I feel like this and day 14 I feel like this. And you'll definitely spot some consistencies. That's super helpful, yeah. And where, where how, how would you get one of these sheets? Can you literally just Google it or...? Yeah, so you can Google it. I, I've actually created one myself, uh, yeah. which I haven't actually put onto my website yet, but this podcast is reminding me that I should put it on this just so it's a freebie that people can download. Um, but, there, yeah, there are different ones that you can use, and I think it's about finding one that works for you. So yeah. mine is a wheel, so it's like a circle, and they're like tiny little slithers of segments that you would then fill in. I guess the only problem with doing it using a sheet is that you don't have lots of space to write, yeah. whereas journaling form then you have loads of space to write um i'll mention one app because it's the only app that i've actually looked at recently and the amazing jane hardwick collings i don't know if you've come across her yeah. work but listening has if you haven't go and find her on instagram she's just like the most amazing person on the planet she's just launched her own app uh. all for like menstrual cycle tracking but it, it goes so much further than that. It goes into like the earth seasons and the moon cycle and it's just yeah. so gorgeous. Um, I would encourage anybody to go and look at that. Even if you don't want to track your cycle through it, just still go and download yeah. it. Good. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, I'll link that and then if, if yours is up as well, um, I will link uh, yours in the show notes as well. So I'll get yeah. both of those in for anyone um, listening. Yeah, that, that, sounds, that sounds good. Um, so yeah, on my tracking sheet, actually, I... I I put like a sort of a raindrop or whatever you want to call it, and that represents fluid. So you can colour it red if you're bleeding, blue if yeah. you've got fluid, or just leave it blank if if, you, if it's a dry dry day for you. And then there's a little circle next to it, and that's for the moon because I really love like the moon is my sort of daily practice in addition to MCA. Like I love just checking in with her, seeing where she's at in her cycle as well. And so, yeah, I've got a little circle and that's where people can, like, you know, draw however the moon's looking on that particular day to see where you tie in with it, yeah. whether your menstrual cycle fits in with the moon cycle. Oh, yeah. And I guess that kind of brings us on because we was going to talk about how to live cyclically, wasn't we, if you're not menstruating, so when you're pregnant or if you're just not menstruating for other reasons. And I guess one of the main ways, I'm just assuming, is tying in with the moon. <laughs> Exactly. So the original calendar um, is the moon cycle. So um, the moon cycle is 29 days long, around 29 days. It's like 29.45, something like that. And the average menstrual cycle is of 28 days. So they're really, really similar. And that's how we've always used calendars, you know, way back when, before electricity and, you know, before, even before that. Um, so anybody who doesn't have a menstrual cycle, and that could be because they are pregnant, breastfeeding, um, you know, late perimenopause, menopause, they have a medical condition, or they're just a non-cyclical person, um, they can follow the moon cycle. 
And so how, how they would do that, if you think about the four phases of the menstrual cycle, so we have our period, then we have our pre-ovulation, then we have ovulation, and then we have um, like premenstrual, and that's like the four phases. So when we are bleeding and we have our period, our energy levels are very low. Quite naturally, we want to be still more. We want to be alone. We want to be warm. We want to be cozy. It's very much like how winter is, like the external winter. That's how we're feeling internally. Yeah. And so that would reflect the dark moon period. So we're in that dark moon period at the moment. So we had a new moon a couple of days ago. So the moon is still very dark. So in her cycle, she gets very dark a couple of days before the new moon. And then she continues dark. And so that's anybody that doesn't have a menstrual cycle, they could be using this time as their sort of menstruation week or you know, sort of six yeah. days. And this could be when they're just more reflective and they're doing some planning, they're staying indoors a little bit more, they're not doing like crazy exercise routines at this time. They're just like chilled and relaxed, keeping cozy indoors. And then we move into the pre-ovulation phase of an, um, like a menstrual cycle and that's when our energy begins to rise. And we naturally want to be out more, we're feeling more chatty. We want to start putting into practice some of the plans and start executing them. And that would be when the moon, she's in her waxing phase, it's called. So that's when she starts getting bigger and she's like a half moon and then she's getting fuller and fuller. So that's the energy rising. So anybody who's non-menstruating, then they can yeah follow those um, patterns with the energy rising. Um, and then ovulation is like full energy in a cyclical body and, you know, the, the energy is completely full. We, we want to be out when we're doing loads of stuff. And so that would be the full moon energy. So the, the moon is technically full for around a day, but to the sort of untrained eye, which is most of us because we don't have telescopes, it looks full for a couple of days. Yeah. So, you know, you can then use that time to be out and when you're out and you're looking at the night sky and it's a full moon it's amazing how much light it actually gives off as well so that's how we used to traditionally again before electricity was invented we used to rely on that so we'd be really sociable during the full moon because we could see a lot more and you know people would gather together and um, using it as its natural light and then our premenstrual phase which you and I are both in at the moment so we Although we're not feeling it in many ways, we would be naturally withdrawing from the world. We want to be alone. We might be gathering our supplies. So um, people who use disposable menstrual products, this would be the time for them going to the shops and picking up all their supplies. And if they like chocolate, buying all that in and just gathering all their supplies. And it's the same for people who are not menstruating. They can, you know, just start wrapping up, not planning anything too wild to be doing in this time and just going into a more reflective state of how things have been going for them for the past couple of weeks and what they might want to do differently for the next moon phase. And then they would just slowly, yeah, sort of wind down and go into that dark moon stillness phase again. Yeah, I love that. I, I, that's so interesting as well how you said about them using the moon's light and stuff because you do you do feel it don't you when there's a full moon and you go out it feels like it's lighting up the whole sky and it just feels it's so, such a nice feeling but I, yeah I've never really considered that it literally would have been their lights off yeah exactly exactly yeah, like the ga yeah just gathering and stuff would have been happening yeah. a lot more oh yeah so that's great so the sort of the final thing that we was going to talk about because we've been talking for so long already but before we do talk about the final thing I do want to say that we are going to record a part two aren't we because we've got too much to say <laughs> I literally want to start talking about all the different like the, the four phases in so much more detail but, but yeah we need another podcast episode for it so yeah that can definitely that can be the next one we'll talk about the phases and also I'd like to talk about um using reusable products and things like that as well because I found that really beneficial to my cycles I feel like that would be interesting so if anyone's listening and thinking you want to know about that we'll we'll do that again <laughs> yes yeah and like rituals and things like yeah. I have a, a ritual that I do with my menstrual blood now and things so yeah we can talk about all that all that good stuff yeah okay well definitely we'll do that next but yeah finally because I don't want to brush you off because I do have one more thing that I really do want to talk about um, is talking about first moon cycles and sort of what they involve because I know you run them what they involve and why they're really important 
Yes, perfect. So first moon circles are like circles, as you imagine, like a woman's circle, but it's aimed at children. So typically from nine years old to 12 years old are the sort of core first moon circles. But then we can run them for teens who have most likely started their periods. But what we're aiming to do, we're talking to children from sort of that nine years old, is to start talking to them and get them thinking about puberty and the menstrual cycle before they've actually reached that phase in their life. Yeah. There's no talking about it afterwards, of course, but it's just nice to try and get them thinking about it a lot more in the early, you know, before they've gone through menarch. So it's called menarch when we get our first period. That is um, a really important rite of passage. So for anyone who has heard the term rite of passage but doesn't really understand what they are. So cyclical people, females, we go through five physical rites of passage. They are our own birth, our first period, motherhood, menopause, and then death. And what they all mean is that we are trans, trans um, journeying, we're transforming from one state, group, identity, um, feeling, being, into another. And yeah. we can never transfer back to the former group again so birth is birth obviously but then when we start our period we are becoming a woman essentially at that phase in our life and so speaking to to girls and children at this age and explaining to them about puberty in a very age-appropriate way and um, talking about you know all the body parts using the correct names you know us as a facilitator saying them with pride and not in like hushed tones, like, oh, that's a vagina. Yeah. Because they will mirror what we say, right? So if we can say, it's a vagina, it's a clitoris, this is your vulva, then they're going to be like, oh, okay, so it is normal to talk about that. Yeah. And, you know, all that stuff. So um, that's one major part of it, is talking about and trying to normalise the words and the body parts. And then we go into what a period is. And then we talk about um, the four phases of the menstrual cycle and we talk about superpowers and how they can look after themselves. And we do it all in a, like, a really nice, holistic, age-appropriate way. And then the children come away thinking, OK, so this, this thing that's about to happen to me that I have no idea really about, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it now. It, it's, it doesn't sound scary. Um, I'm going to be part of a sisterhood. Like, my mum's gone through it. My grandmother went through it. If I've got any aunties, they've all gone through it. And it just, it just you know, it just normalises it. And it makes them sort of look forward to it rather than fearing it. Or for a lot of girls, they get their period and they didn't even, they've never even heard of it. Yeah. You know, I've heard people say they thought they were dying because they went to the toilet, they wiped, and there was blood there. Yeah. And they're like, what is this? Yeah. Like, what is this? So it's... It's a really important rite of passage and by providing all of that good quality information, it just it just means that they're more prepared for that rite of passage as well. Because if we move through a rite of passage and we're not um, initiated and held and we don't feel like we're part of like a community and we have people, you know, that we can trust and get reliable information from, then we start to shut down, we start to go within, we feel a lot of shame around in this case, it would be periods. Um, and as I mentioned to you before, how there's now this clear link between menstrual shame and negative birth outcomes. If we if we hold on to that shame um, for years, decades, then it can affect you know sort of every single day of our life. Um, it's you know it's really powerful. I, I feel like I'm rambling. No, 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 not at all. It's it's so interesting, and especially what you said saying about shame because I've just read a book called my body keeps your secrets and the whole theme of that book is about shame and it's not a lot about periods but that is mentioned in it menstrual shame but mainly it's about the shame that we feel just as women basically for existing and being in the male gaze and from things like assault and stuff and it talks so much about how we hold that in our bodies and we don't even realize like how just how damaging shame can be and I've never really connected the dots that that is where it starts I remember I felt so shameful about it because anything I'd heard I did know what a period was but it was in hushed hushed turns and I was just like this is so embarrassing why is this happening to me sort of thing exactly exactly and you think about when we were growing up there were um, adverts on tv that would use the blue liquid oh yeah and 
uh, like the period bloods because they didn't want to use red blood because they were worried that it was going to gross people out. I mean, if that's not just perpetuating the idea that menstrual blood and menstruation is shameful and should be hidden, like I don't know what is. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, you think about all those things. And, you know, you think about the adverts as well with like, we always talk about it, the, the women wearing white and they're riding a horse. And it's like, don't worry continue as normal every single day of your cycle and it's like okay maybe somebody wants to do that that's totally fine but a lot of us don't want to you know we don't want to have to just keep pushing on with this masculine energy because you know many men are very fortunate that their um, hormone level remains stable day after day I mean, you know we are different the, the, you know the two bodies are different and so sharing that information with girls and children at such a young influential age they're just gonna you know they they're gonna I'm so confident they're gonna carry it with them for the rest of their life you know they'll just they won't take any bullshit hold on to that power they'll locate the power at, at a first moon circle or afterwards and they'll just hang on to it their entire life yeah I completely agree I think as soon as because I think that it does happen later on when you do start to learn about these things or like with anything, as soon as you feel powerful in something, you do feel like unshakable in it. And that, because I've, I've even personally felt like that after having like positive birth experience and things like that, like the way that that impacted me and the way that I held myself afterwards was like, I felt powerful in it and I felt like no one could give me shit about it because I'd had that experience. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's so true that it's, there's something about it, isn't there? Because we've been told that, yeah, you know, birth is a, you know, a medical emergency or whatever it may be, that if you have a positive birth experience, you do. You just you feel so incredibly powerful after it. And it's exactly the same with menstruation as well. Mm. Like, if you can just be comfortable in your body and accept that you're having menstrual, um, menstrual cycle, then, yeah, it's, it's going to bring so much more confidence and power to, to the individual. Yeah, And with uh, the first moon circles, I am actually running my first one tomorrow for a group of boys. That's uh, so exciting. Really, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's a small group, but, you know, they all know each other. And I'm just so intrigued to see how it's going to play out. So I'm still doing all the same period conversation, full menstrual cycle. Um, I'm actually going to talk about the moon cycle as well and how mm. they can use that instead of the different phases of the menstrual cycle. Um, we're going to talk about female puberty, but also like the male puberty as well. Mm. So, yeah, I've, I've sort of created lots of really nice resources for them to take home and they'll get all the same menstrual um, cycle stuff that the girls would get as well. So, yeah, they're going to go away with lots of good stuff. And I just hope that... My, my, not only like empowering them and giving them all the knowledge, but I really hope they sort of understand that they are allies yeah. to their mates. And, you know, if a girl gets her period at school and there's blood on her clothes, like, don't be shocked by it. Don't mock her for it. Like, look after her. Like, offer her your jumper to tie it around her waist and, like, walk her to the school office, you know, things like that. Like, be a good friend, be an ally. Yeah, definitely. And that's so important because I think that that is that really does play a big part in the shame, doesn't it? Because it might be that you do feel good and secure in yourself. But if you're in a social setting and you've got a load of boys taking the mick out of you, like even the most powerful people feel self-conscious in those situations. <laughs> exactly. Totally. And yeah, it's, it's a bodily function that 50 percent of the population goes through. So it's not only important that girls and cyclical people understand what's happening to them but the other half of the population also need to know yeah you know that that's how we're going to keep you know slowly clawing our way towards equity right in this yeah. world is to normalize it yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. and so what age is that for is that with the boys is that the same age yeah same age so they are 10 year olds yeah. i've got in tomorrow Oh, so you have to let me know how it goes. That's so exciting. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, share share some stuff on social media about how it went, and yeah, I really hope there'll be more interest from boys as well. Yeah, know, hopefully. I think so it's um, one of those things as well that's like kind of word of mouth as well, isn't it? So you start telling these boys and then they'll start telling people. And even if it's in like a little funny way with the friends, like, oh, guess what I did last week? But then they're still sharing that knowledge. 
exactly mm-hmm. exactly yeah and they get to play with like period products and stuff like oh we bring out these little bowls of water and they can put tampons into them and watch them expand and, <laughs> yeah yeah it sounds it sounds great so i will wrap up in a second there and we'll definitely have to chat more because we've been going for like an hour now and i feel like i, I even though i feel like we've spoke loads i do feel like there's certain things that we've only just touched upon um because there's so much more to say but yeah where can we learn more about menstrual cycle awareness but more about you and your offerings more importantly <laughs> my my own website is um and my Instagram is the same. I actually have another separate Instagram for um, sort of more birth pregnancy related stuff. And that is at Your Birth Village. Um, I would really, I've got a book here by Jane Hardwick Collins. She brought this book out this year and it's all about the menstrual cycle. And it's just the most fabulous book to read. It's called Blood Rites, The Spiritual Practice of Menstruation. So I would highly recommend if someone can get hold of this um, to buy it. So I I managed to get one because somebody bulk bought. So Jane is out in Australia um. and somebody 50 copies or something and I was able to get one of those 50. Um, or go on to Jane's website or go on to even the First Moon Circle's website as well because they have lots of information, lots of resources on there aimed at the, you know, children age, younger ages. So I'll leave all of those links in the show notes and people can check those out. And I'll leave the dates for your upcoming workshops and stuff there as well. Very much. That's so kind. Thank you so much for having me. I can't believe I've been an hour. That's absolutely flown by. It feels like we've been chatting for about 15 minutes. (laughs) And I feel like I got completely lost in some of the things that I was saying. So I hope it's all clear. Oh, no, you didn't at all, honestly. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for inviting me. I've I've loved it. And yeah, let's definitely get a date in for the next one where we can, yeah, continue the conversation. 100%. To ensure that you head into parenthood feeling confident and excited for what's to come. If you missed the first couple of episodes and would like to know more about me, then go and check out episode one for a little introduction and a big chat on hypnobirthing and the following episodes for some great birth preparation. And if you love the podcast, you can now leave me a little tip to say thank you via buy me a coffee. The link is in the show notes. This episode is a special guest episode with the wonderful Nikki of your red tent. Nikki is an amazing practitioner who holds space for women at various points throughout their life, whether that be through Monarch, which is your first period, with her first moon cycles, through her birth and doula work, through her women's cycles, or through her work around menstrual cycle awareness, which is what we're discussing today. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the episode. <laughs> 